I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. It's a far-out true story featuring New Age thinking, the space race, dream telepathy, the Grateful Dead and ESP. They were all part of a wacky plan to defuse tensions between the US and the USSR at the height of the Cold War. With the world living under the threat of nuclear attack, the idea was to bypass the diplomats and the censors and link up normal people in America and Russia using these two-way satellite link-ups called space bridges. This is all going on, remember, at a time when you could barely make a phone call between the two countries. But these public video conferences were championed by a group of tech and communication enthusiasts, including one of the founders of Apple. Smartly scripted and triply scored, Spacebridge from Radiotopia's showcase tells the story of this out-there chapter in international relations. Yet we know that Russia today is regarded as a grave threat to our nation, to our freedom. Good morning. Yes. Please let's turn this on. Why so? What makes it a threat? To ignore the facts of history and the aggressive impulses of an evil empire. To simply call the arms race. There are good news here in Russia. You see the reason why we are spending billions of dollars in defense production. Build your satellite instead of making research on each other can connect people for free. Politicians dare talk directly to each other. It starts with a phone call. Phone rings in Astankara, the Moscow television tower. A concrete space needle whose shadow circles the expanse of the city and whose broadcasts blanket the entire Soviet Union. The year is 1982. The phone that's ringing is the special red phone, the one that usually takes calls from the Kremlin. Only as soon as he hears the pinched voice on the other end, the man in the tower, Enrikas Yuskevichus, he knows this is no party boss. Something about a meeting, urgent, no, can't wait. He's on his way over, now. He's with two Americans, one of them is a cosmonaut, astronauts, they call them in the U.S. It all sounds like the setup to a bad joke, and the last thing any communist party man with a good job controlling television programming across the Soviet Union, for example, where the last thing he wants is to end up a punchline. Within an hour, he's staring at three men across a table in his office. A ridiculous trio, really. Of course, how could he forget the Soviet, the one who placed the call? He'd met Joseph Golden a couple years before the 1980 Olympic Games, when Golden showed up at his door, claiming he had a method to teach Russians English at superhuman speed. 
Then, as now, Yuskevichus had the distinct impression Golden was insane, and wondered if the same applied to the visitors with him. Take that American sitting next to Golden, hmm. disheveled with a comb over. When the American hands over his card, it reads Jim Hickman, Esalen Soviet American Exchange Program. But there is that astronaut, Rusty Schweikert, from the Apollo 9 mission. Tall, impressive, red-haired, if only he didn't smile so much. They have no interpreter except for this strange man, this Joseph Golden. So our bureaucrat switches to English, then wishes he hadn't, because the trio, assuming no language barrier, are soon speaking in a breathless mass. About California, about a festival, about computers, about American Labor Day, which, as far as Yuskevich just knew, had almost nothing to do with the proletariat, and about a satellite hookup that Yuskevich just was nearly positive had almost nothing to do with reality. Imagine a link from here, this tower, to there, live, uncensored. The U.S. and the Soviet Union linked via satellite for millions of people to watch. <laughs> what these three were proposing was clearly dangerous. Yuskevichus had learned that relentless predictability was what made for safe, okay, sometimes boring television in the Soviet Union. That lesson had certainly helped him rise, literally rise, in the towering Gostela Radio Space Needle to the office and rank he had now, vice president. And maybe this ridiculous trio really did somehow speak for the Kremlin, or even the White House. It was hard to say. Yuskevich just excuses himself from the trio and exits the room to make his own phone call. It was time to pick up the red phone again to speak to the Kremlin. This time, for real. From Showcase, a production of PRX's Radiotopia, this is Space Bridge, the story of DIY diplomats who changed our world. I'm Charles Maines, a reporter in Moscow, and I've been reporting this story with Julia Barton. Hey. Producer in New York. And over the next four episodes, we're going to bring you a strange and sprawling saga of American idealists and Soviet dreamers. People who thought if they could just get folks in their two countries talking, they could end the Cold War. At the time, it was hard even to place a phone call between the United States and the Soviet Union. And so their citizens on opposite sides of the globe reached out to one another through outer space. Chapter One, The Astronaut. This is Apollo Saturn Launch Control, coming up on three minutes and 50 seconds. On March 3rd, 1969, Rusty Schweikert was sitting in the cockpit of Apollo 9. Outside at Cape Kennedy, crowds were eager to see the Saturn V rocket blast off and to see the U.S. earn another point against the Soviets in the space race. But inside, Schweikert was bored. It's much more exciting from the beach, <laughs> watching it and seeing all that smoke and fire. Schweikert had put in thousands of hours of mission training. He'd never been to space before, but already it all felt routine. They close the door, and you're right back in the simulator. And you've done it a hundred times, and you lay there, and during the countdown, you may doze off and get some sleep. Five. And then they count backwards down to zero, and, two, one, and off you go. Zero. And somehow, it's anticlimactic. 
Once Schweikert and the rest of the crew made it to low Earth orbit, everything was predictable and a bit nauseating. Just a lot of floating around in a tiny capsule, following the flight plan and taking readings. One, three, two, zero, zero, and you've already got the nav check. The tedium is intentional. It keeps the astronauts focused on the tasks at hand, so there aren't surprises. One small correction, uh, the last number in the CSM weight is four. Yeah, I guess I wrote it right and read it wrong. And so they're not thinking about how life and death each moment is, especially when doing EVAs, extravehicular activities, in layman's term, a spacewalk. And now you transfer from the spacecraft, which has become home to you, and you know it, and your umbilical to that mother is real, and it works, and you've lived on it, and now you sever that and go on to this one that you're carrying on your back. A few years after his mission in 1974, Schweikert gave a speech about that spacewalk. He and his crewmate were testing an external transfer between the command module and the lunar landing module, the LEM, they called it, and you let all that precious oxygen flow out the door of the lunar module. And now you're living in your own spaceship. And you go out the door. And outside on the, on the front porch of the LEM, you watch the sunrise over the Pacific. And it's an incredible sight. Beautiful, beautiful sight. But once again, the schedule and the monotony keep you focused. But don't look at it because you really don't have time. You see, you've really got to get moving. That flight plan says you're behind again. Schweikert was going about his business, following the flight plan to the second. He and his colleague Dave Hill are in their spacesuits, and Hill is supposed to be photographing him. But then his camera jams. Ground control gives him five minutes to fix it. Five minutes when Rusty Schweikert suddenly has nothing to do. And so we have just a moment to think about what it is we're doing. And his mind opens. I just decided to be a human being in space, not an astronaut. This is Rusty Schweikert now. And all of a sudden, all these questions started coming in. How did I get here? Why am I here? What's this all about? Why is it me? What responsibility do I have as a result of this? All these things came flooding through my mind as I'm taking in this incredibly beautiful and totally silent scene. Rusty Schweikert has been thinking about that moment ever since when he opened his mind to what he was seeing as he sped over oceans and continents. When you go around it in an hour and a half, you begin to recognize that your identity is with that whole thing. And that makes a change. From where you see it, the thing is a whole and it's so beautiful. And you, and you wish you could take one in each hand and say, look, one from each side. Look at it from this perspective. Look at that, what's important? Schweikert returned to Earth a changed man. 
But astronauts were not encouraged to get spiritual about space. He kept his thoughts to himself. Some of Space Bridge, presented by Julia Barton and Charles Maines, and that's a production of Showcase from PRX's Radiotopia. Thanks for listening to the podcast hour from RNZ. If you're finding it helpful to find new stuff to listen to, then please do consider rating or reviewing us with as many stars as you can manage wherever you get your podcasts from and tell your friends and family about us too. And if you're writing a review, then do let us know what you like about the show or how it could be improved. So if you'd like to hear longer clips, more interviews with the people making the shows that we feature... And if four shows is about the right number to highlight each week, that kind of stuff, it would be really helpful to know. Thanks a lot. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.